Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Are you ready, ready, ready? Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, Yo. J10 initiative. We are live from Noah's Ark tonight. It is storming outside. Yeah, that's true. It's wet and wild. Got my feet up. Wacky and wild. We're actually racing the clock because we're worried that the uh, power's going to go out at Schloss Goebbels. How do you know, like, when does the hail come? When does the rain turn to hail? Is there, like, a feeling you get in the air? Can't animals feel that stuff? That's tornadoes. Oh, really? That's tornadoes. Um, the uh, I do know that it's caused by strong updrafts. Really? So you have you have rain that is blowing down and then the strong updraft pushes it up uh, again and again and again until it goes higher and higher into the atmosphere until finally the the it's so high up that it condenses into uh, solidifies into pellets and then as they collect more of the condensation then all of a sudden they they fall because they're too heavy and then they come down as hail and they get bigger and bigger. They can get bigger and bigger. Is that in the cycle or as they're falling down? No, they get bigger and bigger as they're in that vortex of just going up and down and up and down. This mm-hmm. is Father Nathan and Father and Father, Father Mike. Mike. Father Mike, we are uh, we are waxing meteorologically. <laughs> um, the uh, my uncle Tom was the former meteorologist of the Pacific Coast routes of United Airlines. Really. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a quite the prestigious yeah, position. That's, that's why I that's why I know so much about meteorology. Also, I took one of my only science courses at Richland Community College was meteorology in uh, online for the summer. I did a summer course while my, I was working for Pepsi. It was a rather depressing summer, but a good course. But a good course. And you learned a lot, apparently. Well, I was nervous because Matt Tynan, one of our listeners graciously loaned out one of his vehicles to Father Mike Rapp. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have this wild storm hitting Arvada, and his car is exposed to the elements. It was. We put it in the garage. It was, exactly. Don't worry, Matt. Thank yeah. you for the car. It's been great. Matt, now, he, he showed me, he sent me a picture of this, like, orange Volkswagen bus, like one of those retro Scooby-Doo things. Picture? Yeah, and he was. it was kind of like a joke. Yeah. Like, I think this is the car that you should have for the summer. Yeah. I got really excited about it, and then, alas, I got a cool car, but it's not the bus. That's because Maggie Tynan is not letting that thing out of her sight. I know. I know. I saw her at Mass, and she was very possessive. Uh, I forgot the bus's name. That it's, particular bus has yeah, a name? It's got a sticker on the back that actually has its name on it. Ah. Uh, it's like Chester or... Something wagon, Rommelwald or something. Uh, it's not that, but anyways, it's a sweet bus. I got to drive it. Um, I actually want it, um, but Matt Tynan has no interest in selling it. So, well, next time. Well, yeah, Molly he, Tynan, make it happen. It can happen. So we're uh, back in the studio, and uh, I this is post. Um, celebration weekend that's right i had my sister's wedding hannah and david congratulations dieter dieter it was a great time i love uh dieter's rather silly most of the time and then he gave me this nudge at the um at the rehearsal we were walking up the aisle i was telling him okay keep your head up you're gonna be nervous you gotta be smiling and he nudges me and says father i'm gonna be praying i hope you are too Wow. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, he was on his game. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we had a great reception. One thing I really loved was um, David's grandfather, Barkley, came in from California, and he's pretty old. He kind of, like, um, slowly sauntered up to uh, give a speech. He tells a few hilarious jokes and then sings them one of these classic romantic songs from like the 20s or 30s. 
and it was the cutest thing. It just slayed everybody in the, in the room. My sisters are over there crying, and oh, it was a very precious moment. Nice. If you're planning anything and uh, you need to come up with a speech, that is well recommended. Do you remember what song it was? No. I got to ask him. I'm going to find out. I'm going to learn that song, too. Yep. It, I hope it wasn't Peter, Paul, and Mary. No. No, I don't know. They have a what song. What are you thinking about? Like Puff the Magic Dragon? No, they they have a song called Wedding Song, I think. Uh-huh. And it's like, today you gave yourself away. And I'm like, this song's lame. <laughs> and then the um, one of our parishioners was like, I want that at my wedding. Oh, I was like, you got to have it? No. Oh, here's another cute piece. My sister um, danced the father and bride, you know, father-daughter dance. Uh-huh to the song that my parents danced to mm. at their wedding. Yeah. Which is Simon and Garfunkel What? Something. I don't know. I can't remember. I was so caught up with the whole thing. Hello Darkness, so, my old friend. It was not that one. Okay, The Sound of Silence, not that one. Uh Cecilia? It was not Cecilia. Okay. That would have uh, been in a Bridge over Troubled Water? No. Kathy's song? Could have been Kathy. I don't know that one. Kathy, I'm lost, I said, though I knew she was sleeping. Uh, maybe. I don't, I don't remember. Were you there on that camping trip when uh, F- Father Matt Henry brought out his guitar? And it was me, you, well, I don't know if you were there, but I'm pretty sure you were. Um, Neppel, Gronsky, and Chrysostom Frank, Father Chrysostom Frank. And we sat up for over an hour just singing the entire Simon and Garfunkel's Greatest Hits album. Really? Matt no, played every single song on the guitar. It was magical. That sounds like a Joe Digard moment, too. <sighs> I, no, I have. Song. I don't think I've ever been camping with Chris System Frank. I would he, like to. He was there on that one. It was a wild brew. It's a witch's brew. Let's uh, recreate that somehow. I really like camping. Father John's up in the mountains right now, camping with the crew. And I was just trying to think of, like, what do I love so much about camping? What are your three favorite things about camping? Me? Yeah. Fire. Yeah. That's one of mine. Like, starting fire. Yep. Winning at Euchre. Oh, yeah. Cards. Because I usually usually dominate with Father Only on John. camping? Especially in camping, because I don't drink as much as everyone else. Oh, yeah. So that's I can usually get away with cheating. I mean, winning. Uh, I never cheat. I'm a rule follower. Number three. What about one of mine is... It's not hiking. It's uh, not mountain climbing. Yeah. Those are top ten. I I like uh, those Quaker oatmeal packets. Yes. That you pour the hot water into and then you stir around and everything. I eat one of those all the time. The Only fruit camping. and cream are my favorite. No, it's like maple and brown sugar. Oh, yeah. Father Nick Blaha of Happy Memory, uh, he would always get the raisin and spice. That was like our it was like our uh, camping blend. Uh. So, like, during the rest of the time, you'd, you know, if you were home, you'd eat apple, cinnamon, maple, brown sugar, whatever. But he would find raisin and spice, and I love that. Oh, yeah. Not so much that I want like 50 packets sent to my rectory, but I like it. Does it have raisins in it? Because this yeah. is my problem with the blueberry one. You have to let it steep in the water for a long time for those things to get soft. Otherwise, they're kind of like, I don't know, kind of like little pebbles. Though. I like that, though. Yeah? I like to mix the blueberry and the the banana. Yeah. Oh yeah. The banana. You know what the third one is? I and and this is gonna sound weird because it is weird. It's that debatable moment when you're snuggled in your sleeping sack and you drank way too much water, way too much beer. Oh yeah. It's three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I know where you're going. You know you have to go to the bathroom, but you want to wait it out. Um, there's bears everywhere. You think when you're sleeping. Um, you got to crawl over three different people in order to get out of the tent and you're laying there for like 15 minutes 
debating. Do I go? Do I yeah. not go? You got bare feet. It's going to be... Uh, yeah, bare feet. You're going to track in something, whatever. And it's that moment when you made your decision. You go, and then you come back, and it's the most satisfied, relaxing feeling. Oh, yeah. It's like I can fall asleep because I'm no longer obsessing about this. It's even worse and better if it's raining outside. True. Or it had exactly. Yep. I think my third might be similar. That is the moment you wake up kind of too late where the sun is already kind of warming everything in the tent and it's just a little muggy and sweaty. Yeah. But it feels so good like sleeping in. And you finally got that like 20 minutes of sleep that you were hoping for all night. Yep. And then you wake up and somebody's already started the fire. (laughs) And And then you you slept in. And you eat the Quaker oats, you know. You get your Quaker oats and coffee's made. Father John, myself, Father Jason Wunsch, and Father Joseph Lajoie went camping last year. And I forgot the eggs. I was going to make burritos. And so we had these like meat diapers (laughs) made of German bratwurst, sausage crumbles, bacon, and cheese. In a tortilla. In a tortilla. Ooh. It was uh, a little excessive. Anyways. Yeah, meat sweats. The meat sweats. I actually got those. When was that? I woke up. Is it a thing? It's real? I had never had this happen to me before. And I woke up and my heart was pounding. It was after we had that pork. It was after we had that pork that Blaha made on the summer conference. Oh, yeah. In the egg. Yeah. And, and it was Blaha's or Blaha's L- Father Larkin's pasta with the pancetta. I woke up that night and I thought my heart was going to explode. Ooh. Anyways. It's like a blood pressure thing. I don't know. Meat sweats. Meat sweats. All right, I'm, this microphone is echoing a little bit. Yeah, that's why I got one shoe on, one shoe off, and one ear in oh, and yeah. one ear out. We're trying to figure out this equipment, as usual, but we're particularly incompetent now. Yep. All that's right, well, hard. I better get going on this topic. Father Nathan's wondering, like, uh, what's going on? And I know, I asked him to prepare the topic, but actually, I think you and I are very good at bantering. Yeah, well, I like talking to you. Well... Father John, it's like he has like an egg timer in his head. And as soon as that egg timer goes off, it doesn't matter what you just said. Or even if you asked a question, he just goes, okay, to the topic. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a little abrupt. Well, what if there's no topic? People have asked for a, a podcast just with banter. <laughs> I'm not, I don't know that I'm ready to do that. But if you want. Fair enough. We can talk whatever. No. Well, Do I don't you have know. something I prepared? Mean, yeah, mine's not terribly organized. Do you yeah. have something? Mm-mm. No, you told me that you were preparing it. I was looking at a few different things, and I get kind of like pieced apart by these things. So, I was doing finance council tonight, not preparing a topic. Oh, your topic was not finance council? I can talk about how to get through finance council. How to put together a good one or nope. to conduct a meeting? Nope. How to volunteer at your local parish? Nope. Is How it a look- volunteer thing or is it like a the auditions thing? Well, you have to be qualified. Yeah. But apparently you don't have to be qualified in order to be a pastor. Nope. So, certainly not. I, uh, I mean, this is how finance cancel goes. Somebody says something. It's like, I think the third quarter is looking pretty good. So long as you're not looking at the fixed assets. <laughs> yeah, and I go, <laughs> and then I stop. And then they're like, he got my joke. And I'm like, nope. I'm like, okay, meeting adjourned. <laughs> Actually, yeah, it's funny. Accountants. I, se- several of our companions' brothers are accountants. You could try, probably collect those jokes. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's awkward. It's awkward. But there's nothing I can do about it. I All right. Let up. me tell you about Christ in the City. Uh, it's similar. It's related to money, I guess, my topic. But not a, not exactly finance, council, and oh, parochial nice. life. Christ in the City. Christ in the City. So 
one of the great joys that I've had back here in Denver this summer is to run into this project, Christ in the City. So a number of years ago when I was in seminary, our friend uh, Dr. Jonathan Reyes, Jonathan? Yeah. Jay Reyes? Okay, uh, he left work at the Augustine Institute, I believe, in order to start working for Catholic Charities in Denver. Mm -hmm. And one of his initiatives, I don't know if it was his idea or if it was just something he had heard of and wanted to start or whatever, is this program called Christ in the City, where young people volunteer to spend a year or two years as missionaries serving the poor in downtown Denver. I don't know if this kind of exists around the world or if this is just particular to Denver. It, my sense was that it was just happening here. But, um, yeah, so they go and walk the streets, meet homeless people, and then do kind of service projects for them. So they'll collect clothes and food like a regular food bank or whatever. And then they have a sun or a Saturday lunch in the park where they gather a lot of different Catholics from Denver and then have them serve a meal to the homeless and play games and hang out and then do the same thing on um, Wednesday afternoons for lunch. I think every Wednesday throughout the summer and maybe throughout the whole year. So what I like about this thing, when I was in high school, I had volunteered at the soup kitchen, Broadway Assistance Center at St. Joseph's Parish. They just closed. Yeah, they closed. I'm not sure why. I'm kind of sad and disappointed. Yeah. But we do have alternatives, one of which is Christ in the City yep. and their lunch in the park. So, Which park is it in? This is in uh, Civic Center. Okay. Civic, yeah, yeah Civic, Civic Center, Center park. park. So right at the Capitol and kind of where the majority of the homeless kind of gather to hang out and mm -hmm. socialize, you know. Okay, so um, I was volunteering at the soup kitchen and it had a lot to do with my kind of first encounter with Jesus and uh, kind of a growing love in my own soul for um, serving the poor and spending time with the poor. I was just so intrigued by the people I met there and really enjoyed interacting with them and becoming friends. So I get into seminary and I was thinking of kind of how to help the poor and how to be be poor and be with the poor. Mm -hmm. And um, I really missed that sort of service opportunity. One chance I got was um, to serve at the Denver County Jail. And I really loved that. That was great. Um, service at the nursing home, which is kind of a standard thing for seminarians. That was another form of poverty and just kind of this loneliness in the uh, nursing home um, and kind of need for help, a certain uh, particular poverty. Mm -hmm. um, and I just love that stuff. And I noticed that kind of as I went along, I was looking at what is service or in for Catholics, you know, what does it mean to serve the poor? And I think for the majority of Catholics, this means something like give money to your local parish, which is going to help people or uh, sponsor a child abroad mm -hmm. or um, do something to, well, it's a lot of giving money, right? Uh, help with fundraisers, kind of run philanthropical things or whatever. And what I really loved when I saw Christ in the City open was there was something of uh, a personal touch. It was actually putting people um, in contact. It was making friends between people who went to serve and uh, the homeless on the streets of Denver. It was less about just giving them a meal, although that was part of it. You know, you're, you're helping someone with their physical needs. But... Um, there was a focus, a particular focus on um, really trying to meet Christ in the other person and make friends with everybody, you know, to actually form community and to have this sort of human connection. 
which is really, I think, at the heart of um, the gospel and the Christian life. You know, if our life is about love, it's not about just kind of doing something for someone mm-hmm. who we don't know or we don't care to know, Yep. but actually um, becoming friends at some certain level, you know, and uh, making love personal. So I remember reading something in seminary from uh, Pope Benedict. Uh, I think it was Deus Caritas, mm-hmm. one of these encyclicals that he wrote. He did like a f- faith, hope, and love uh, series. And um, in the... Love, the, hope, faith. The one on love, one of the points he made was exactly this, that, that there's service and there's charity, but Christians aren't just called to be social workers, even though some are uh, doing that work mm-hmm. and it's very good work, but are called to love in this very personal way. And so there was an encouragement to make your ch- charitable giving and your charitable activity somehow very personal. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I was really moved by that and I remembered that. So when I run into these things, and uh, this summer is certainly no exception, I have just, uh, I don't know, just kind of noticed this is a brilliant way to put that into action, you know, to connect, especially young people, mostly young people who come from a fairly privileged background with other people who are on the streets and not in a way, uh, well, in a way that takes away the sort of pity factor. It's not about I'm condescending to help you and save the world. I'm going to be a great hero. I think some of us and probably some of these volunteers and missionaries get into it that way, that I'm going to do this great thing. I'm going to, I'm going to do something for you. Yeah. And they come to find that the encounter with another person um, is always reciprocal and that they're going to gain friendship mm-hmm. and they're going to learn things from this other person who may not have been successful with life or may have some serious mental right. problems or um, substance abuse or whatever it is. Um, they still have a whole lot to give and a, a whole lot to offer as friends and as people. And there's almost a, a greater joy in coming to know somebody who's in a rough spot, has a very different life, mm-hmm. and who struggles with particular, um, I don't know, poverty, you know, just like weaknesses and struggles. Yep. And there's a lot, a lot to learn from that. So I like the way that they set it up for the missionaries. And then I love the way that they open it up to parishioners throughout the diocese. You know, Catholics are invited to come down to the park and the missionaries who are really just like kids, you know, they're all college age or just after college are teaching all of these adult volunteers and families, all the Catholics in Denver who who come to these events, how to befriend the homeless in Denver. Mm -hmm. And, and then once you're kind of broken in and comfortable, we, uh, kind of teach ourselves and uh, the homeless people are teaching me kind of how to be a friend and how to interact and um, I've had some really great um, kind of beginnings of re- relationships form uh, but just wonderful human interactions with people mm. you know? so I'm just want to p- praise jazzed, Christ in the city about that yeah I am the um when I left for a mission trip to India in 2007, um, I think Kristen Feldman listens as well as... What's up, Kristen? Kristen Feldman, jazz dancer, uh, works with special ed kids, physical therapy, great mm-hmm. girl. Um, and Colleen Hussey, now Colleen Servan. She was now, she was on that trip. Those are the two girls that I think listened to the podcast. They were um, both focus missionaries? No, they were just students. One was from Kansas City. One was from, uh, she's from Charleston uh, near my hometown. Anyways, so we all went on this mission trip and I was freaked out, just totally freaked out mm. because I, exactly what you're saying. Like I knew that I came from a white, privileged background, middle class, 
and that these people were going to see right through me. Mm. That they were going to see that I really didn't want to be there. That in fact, I didn't want to live their life. And I was only there out of some kind of, um, yeah, fulfillment of a promise that Jesus made that I don't really know how this how this works, but you say that it works. So I'm going to take you up on it, but I'm really not going to like it. And I actually don't think it's right. Um, so I was nervous about leaving and uh, afraid that they were going to see, you know, my my own weakness and my own disdain for for poverty and and a priest uh monsignor Essif, who uh i had befriended and learned a mm, lot from great priest a lot of very people know great him. priest wild bird yeah uh but uh, i saw him he happened to be at mundelein seminary before we left we were congregating there and then we were going to take off the next day um he said something to me that stuck with me all of these years he said an act of love remains an act of love, even if it's misunderstood. Mm. Um, and I, in some ways, thought that was just me. But I actually think it was also me receiving it. Like, receiving love remains an act of love, even if it's misunderstood on your part, you know? So the image that I had for that is, I got to work in the home for the dying, Mother Teresa's home for the dying, Kaligat. Um and uh, that was where I wanted to go. I, I was just, I read all about it. And it was like that if you want to encounter your own weakness and the authenticity of the poor, you got to go for, to the home for the dying. So I was the only uh, member of our mission trip to get to go to there. And I was like, so, so jacked. And I got in there and I was like, this is it. I made it. And then all of a sudden I walk in and there's just people dying everywhere. Yeah. I just freeze. Is uh, it uh, leprosy? Uh, no, that they have another one called uh, Titigar. There's a beautiful story. Uh, uh, all of the, I, I don't want to say all, but most, it may be all, but I can't be entirely sure, uh, of the saris, the habits that the missionaries of charity wear are made, uh, sewn at Titigar. So every sari, every habit, religious habit that they wear is is handled by uh, a leper. Wow. Um, and they take great pride in that, the lepers do, uh, that they're able to contribute to the sister's life. Wow, um, that's we beautiful. Got to tour yeah. their, um, I haven't heard that. We got to tour their um, kind of colony and see their shops, and uh, it was beautiful. Um, anyways, uh, so I walk in, there's just, people dying everywhere and people are just walking around kind of doing their thing. And, and I'm like, I have absolutely no idea how I fit in there. And there was this Frenchman who, uh, had no faith or very little faith. Um, and was kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm here, I'm a photographer, but I also like, like doing service work and everything. Uh, we had talked on our, you know, little breaks and he would go around to the patients the male patients and uh he would carry a, a mug full of shaving cream and a razor and he would ask them can i you know can I? and he didn't speak any any uh hindi or anything like that he just had his you know instruments and he would gesture to them and then they would either say yes or no and he would shave the patients just shave their faces and he did it with such mm. like tenderness and kindness that I was actually saddened that I couldn't do the same thing um, because uh, he was unafraid. He was unafraid and he had formed this personal kind of like uh, bond with them because it's like, you know, I know what it's like to be sick and not wanting to shave yourself, and but you feel better after you've shaved. Wow. Uh, yeah. And uh, anyway, so he went around doing this. And that to me was like iconic. Strangely enough, in Spain, uh, for the 2010 uh, World Youth Day uh, in Madrid, whenever that was, um, I'm walking in the streets during the Stations of the Cross. 
And I walked right past that guy. Oh, really? And I grabbed him by the arm and I said, you were in Calcutta in, you know, 2007 and you were shaving patients. And I want to tell you how much that meant to me. And the guy was like, how did you recognize me and how do you know me and everything? And then I just kept walking. That's cool. Yeah, I think there's something that you kind of come to love the little things that you can do for somebody because you can see, you know, this is meaningful. This this is helpful to this person that there's so much of a distance in the way that we ought to relate, mm-hmm. but I want to love them. And the Lord opens doors to kind of make that happen and make that possible. And uh, that's really beautiful. And to make it reciprocal. It's yeah. not just that I want to love them. I want them to love me because I have poverty as well. Yeah. I, I at the end of that trip, the, the, the things that were revealed to me in part was, it's not just about loving the poor. It's actually about loving your own self who is poor. Yeah. You're, you, I am poor. And St. Ignatius would sign all of his letters to his brothers, poor in love. Um, and to me, like, it was beginning to face my own poverties that can be covered over with, well, you know, like, I have a car and, you know, I have a cell phone. and You know, I have an education and um, all of these uh, status symbols that really don't mean much when you encounter somebody who knows who they are um, and in a way is just living out of what they have instead of, I mean, who they are instead of what they have, I guess. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think I have had a similar experience coming back from Rome. You know, everything's very important over there. And uh, I live with a bunch of priests who know they're important and know their own value. And some of that is very good, you know, but some of it is also just like you lose that sense of what kind of where's my poverty and um, kind of the reality, you know, just like uh, a a humility that is about um, I'm not, well, my life isn't just about, this kind of important work that I'm doing. So one experience I had today was that um, I met this guy, Chris. He, well, he was asking me a very difficult question. I didn't know how to answer it um, about he's Lutheran, but he wants to go to confession. Can he do that? I wasn't sure actually how to respond to that very well. But in the end, uh, we had a great conversation. It was great meeting this guy. He was very interesting. His father has just joined a monastery as a Russian monk and yeah, he had some like really fun, crazy stories to share. And then he asked if we'd pray together and we prayed together and I felt extremely priestly, kind of more priestly than I have in Mm. months of doing the work I do in Rome. You know, there was something just so um, communal and so close to God about that moment that was um, beautiful. And it just humbled me. And it it reminded me that my worth is not in kind of this great academic stuff that I'm doing um, or kind of what else I I throw my my expectations into. But it it can be just these little moments of love. So I loved that. I mean, it was a real moving experience. And this is kind of the, the potential that this encounter with the uh, with the poor has that it reminds us that we are poor so even though i think okay i'm i'm nervous because i feel like i might be judged you know i'm i'm condescending into this environment mm-hmm. where i'm better than these people but i'm gonna go and do something nice for them right and then i realize i'm not any better i'm not any different there are people here who are holier than i am there are people here who are more generous than i am there are people here who care about their friends better than i do and those are the things that matter, you know. Those are really the, ultimately, those kind of salvific virtues. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so you you embrace that and you feel more free, 
you know, walking away poor and there's a humility in it. That's beautiful. Okay. So I wanted to mention in talking about service of the poor. Okay. Go on. Julia Greeley. Oh, have we yeah. talked about Julia Man, Greeley? You are, you're getting after it today. Well, it's just Christ in the city and Julia Greeley. You got enough Greeley. time? Well, just let me t- tell the quick story of Julia Greeley. All right. Julia Greeley. How, what, where are we I at? saw her, I saw her femur bone. Yeah. Yeah. I was are the at, bones laid out or just a box? Well, I visited the grave when they were excavating it because Whoa. I am the pastor of St. Joan of Arc Parish and Mount Olivet Cemetery falls within my parish boundaries. Oh, okay. So technically, Julia Greeley was one of my parishioners. She has since been transferred. Uh, her remains have been transferred to the cathedral. Yeah, um, that one's a little complicated. Her relics were your parishioner? Well, was, I mean, like, yeah. All right, right let her, me tell the story. remains... Okay, so Julia Greeley was um, uh, born in, uh, a slave mm-hmm. and was freed in 1865 in Missouri, in the Missouri Freed Slave Act, um, came west and um, worked as a nanny for families in Denver and in New Mexico. There was another place, I can't remember, Arizona maybe, but most of her time spent in Denver. So she becomes Catholic in 1880 and uh, joins Sacred Heart Parish. That was the first parish in Denver. And this was at a time when Denver was just kind of developing. Um, Wow. I didn't know it was the first parish. Yep. Sacred Heart Parish downtown. Um, You got to know, like Denver was a stop on the way across the... Um, just it was like the last stop before, like a staging ground before going west across the Rocky Mountains. Right. It wasn't really a place where a lot of people settled. Our biggest towns were up in the mountains, actually, where there was gold mining happening in um, mm-hmm. Georgetown and Idaho Springs and um, Silverton. Yeah, and Central City. Okay, so these towns were growing up, but at the time there was a lot of poverty happening in kind of these areas. Yeah. You know, uh, I just took a tour of that gold mine, and they said that at the time when it was uh, bustling, and I think it was a around the same time there were more brothels in the area than family homes in these cities now we have more pot shops yeah well yeah yeah you get it. the vice follows um but you can imagine that it was a pretty wild life yeah a lot of people were just chasing money people knew if they worked in some of these jobs that they would only live for six to nine months or uh, total at the mill well, they had kind of things as technologies grew, also risks grew and you could breathe in these bad fumes and stuff. And mm-hmm. so people were dying pretty regularly. Um, if you worked at the mill, you had about nine months before you'd go deaf for life. Um, and there were all kinds of other kind of difficulties and illnesses. There were a lot of orphans running around the streets um, this is around the time when Mother Cabrini came right. over and started the orphanage. So Julia Greeley's working here as a nanny. Uh, she joins the parish. She goes to goes to mass daily. She um, develops a very strong devotion to the Sacred Heart, and was a missionary of the Sacred Heart. She would go and um, tell the local uh, fire department. She would she would go yep. to different uh, deliver pamphlets, firehouses, and deliver pamphlets. Yeah. And then um, she spent all of the she, she spent only what she needed to survive on herself, and then she spent all of the rest of her money constantly on serving the poor. She would go out at night and find poor people and uh, set them up with clothes and food and um, try to find lodging for people. Uh, her whole life was spent in service and in prayer, and it's amazing, you know, like it's so counterintuitive with the sort of American dream of make yourself successful. She really saw her glory in serving Jesus in the poor. And she lived her whole life that way. And then she, um, after she died, there was kind of like um, a lot of a lot of people that came to the funeral. And ever since, people have paid attention, kept telling that story. And now they've um, exhumed the bones, put them in our cathedral, yep. and we're praying for her canonization to yeah. sainthood. Yeah. And she, they said, based on her, based on her uh, skeleton, that she had severe arthritis and scoliosis. 
mm. and was probably like mostly crippled. Um, so like she like when she walked everywhere, it was like it was like a labor, wow. you know, for her to actually get around. Um, so yeah, she was amazing. Is an amazing lady. Yeah, it's sanctity. You know, when you meet the one you love, you just want to serve him. And she goes and finds Jesus in the poor. Mm-hmm. Beautiful life. Yeah, and and people knew her by name. You know, I mean that's that's the remarkable thing is, you know, not just not just to have a relationship to the poor from your checkbook, but like to actually be able to know these people by name. Yeah, like my dad. You know, praise David Goebel for a second. He met this guy named Bob at Burger King, Burger King Bob. Uh, he was panhandling. And my dad's like, hey, can I buy you lunch? He said, sure. Meets Bob. He says, hey, is, you know, he, this guy's like in his 80s panhandling. And he, my dad's like, you know, are you doing okay, man? Like, you know, are you sure you need to be out here? It was pretty hot that day. I remember it was summer. And Bob said, let me level with you. He's like... I make more money panhandling than I do uh, like working a job. And I make I, I make enough money for me to live. Um, and then I give the rest to my mom because she needs to be in a nursing home and mm-hmm. I can't afford it. So eventually my dad like set up Bob with um, uh, like getting his mom in a nursing home. And he was so happy, you know. And then later, like, you know, he got Bob's mom, like, a, one of those chairs that lift her out, you know, like. Oh, yeah. Lifter chairs. You yeah, know? yeah. And uh, we knew Bob. Like, yeah. Bob came to the house for chicken and noodles. Um, it was actually really funny. Uh, my mom made um, uh, chicken dumplings, chicken and dumplings. And, uh, you know, the smell of the dumplings were like, you know oozing all afternoon we couldn't wait to eat this stuff Mm. bob shows up and he goes my mom's like i made you chicken and dumplings and bob goes i don't like chicken and dumplings and i said quote hey dad beggars can be choosers (laughs) and but we knew bob bob went on one of my dad's koinias you know nice um to actually form a relationship with with persons not just with poor yeah. Father Grosky hated the idea about loving the poor, loving the poor. It was like, no, love persons. Yeah. You know? Well, um, and like we said, everybody's poor, and there's a lot of different ways. And, uh, you know, Mother Teresa said that uh, the Western world, and maybe it was the United States, mm-hmm. is the poorest place she had ever been. Yeah. Because she had never encountered such loneliness. And she said there's no greater poverty. Yeah, she I said mean, that in those state-of-the-art nursing home facilities, and that's where, like, you, yeah, you just come to realize as a Catholic um, how poor you are, and the need you you have for grace, the need you have for other people, um, the need you have for the sacraments. All of these pieces kind of come together, and that's kind of the Catholic stuff I want people to know. Um, the lessons that I've learned from Christ in the city and from Julia is just a reminder that there's great, great freedom and great joy in um, kind of becoming poor with, uh, with the poor. I know we don't, it's not good to classify people as like, okay, that's poor. But there are some times when you realize, okay, these are the poor people around me and these are the people that Jesus is calling me to uh, live with and encounter, you know. Yeah, to just to be with the poor and not just be with the faceless poor, mm. you know, don't just I can't remember who it was, but the, they said, don't just lean out the window. Don't just lean out the window and say, I love you, world. You know, that's not charity. Charity is actually coming to know the persons around you. Yeah. But just as importantly, Mother Teresa said, you know, people say we want to come to Calcutta. We want to come and serve there. And she goes, you have a neighborhood, you have a home, you have a family, you have a husband, love them. Yeah. You know, Um, and that's not to cop out and say, okay, love your family well, and then you're loving the poor. No, don't love the poor to the neglect of your family, but love your family and direct your entire family towards the poor. Shout out to Susie Swanson. 
I hooked Susie Swanson. Do you know Susie from Cabrini? She's the business manager. Yeah, I, I hooked her, her into um, uh, going down to cook dinner for the ladies at uh, Mother Teresa's house, the Gift of Mary. Oh yeah, in, uh, I, in fact, I saw her at the oh, house yeah. not long ago. Oh yeah, dude, she loves it. Yeah, and her husband David was kind of like, "Are you kidding me? You like." took her away from the house for another night mm-hmm. but now david goes down and like he'll make like you know good food for him and chicken and dumplings chicken and dumpling dude who doesn't love chicken and dumplings bob yeah just apparently bob anywho that's great actually it's funny because i if you were gonna really punt on your topic i was gonna talk about how do we love the poor well because nice. we had talked about that just at the beginning because i yeah. had an encounter with with uh, some people from our parish who were in need and i was so happy to be able to give to them from the resources that we talk about at Finance Council. Like we talk about all these resources in Finance Council and I was like elated that some of those resources are going to people who really need it. Yeah. So, anyhow, well done. Yeah. Shout, shout last out. Pe- well, last piece of advice. Last piece of when advice. You're going by, when you're going by people and you want to, uh, you know, give them a dollar or mm-hmm. ignore them or... Uh, give them a pack of gum, whatever you do, ask for their name Yep. and tell them your name. Yep. You know, that's the start of this relationship and this friendship and getting to know somebody, yep. you know, it's and better if you're driving to work and you can say, Hey, what up, Steve? And Steve can give you his little blessing and his little wave. Right. And then you can go to work, you know? Yeah. And then ask if there's anything you want, they want you to pray for. Yeah. Cause they love that. And you can ask them to pray for you. I also heard do not give them granola bars because a lot of them have dental issues and it's really difficult for them. So like uh, softer foods are better um, and bottles of water. Yep. That's great. So Good stuff for the homeless. Yeah. All right. Shout outs. Shout, shout, shout outs. Um, here we go. All right. So, uh, so Carrie Wagner, Father Brady's sister, who's now Carrie no clue um i don't know what her name i'm is. trying to remember too yeah, uh, sorry carrie sorry carrie <laughs> i almost said carrie sigmund but that's definitely not it carrie sigmund is one of the uh, ladies who works in the chancery uh brady's sister carrie has a friend uh, who has been listening since the beginning of the podcast we are rapidly approaching uh a number of podcasts that uh well we're approaching our 300th episode wow i think this is 299 um, and uh, she's been listening since the beginning. She says it has got her through Boston College and Harvard. This girl went to both Boston College Ooh. and Harvard. Her name's Federica. So, Federica, thank you for listening. You have been listening since Stylites to Christ in the City. So, I, I hope you are not completely warped and you've learned something. Yeah. Both at Boston College, Harvard, and Catholic stuff. And Catholic stuff. (laughs) My favorite line right now, there's a line in a rap song. Uh, I don't even know what song it is. But he's like, school of hard knocks. I took night classes. Like, oh, yeah. Nice. All right, you got any any shout-outs? I do. I want to shout-out my grandmother, Mary Strong. We call her Twig. Uh, she's a wonderful dancer, a uh, very funny lady, and she told me at the wedding, I, was, I guess I didn't know, but she said that she listens to the podcast. Really? And she really loves it. She's Lutheran. You've never given we your We kind of go back and forth out. about that, but uh, I didn't really realize that uh, she was listening. So, Grandma, love you, and thanks for listening. Well, also, well. Linda, uh, my Aunt Linda... I heard uh, that you might be listening too. So, uh, what's up? Shout out. Aunt Linda. Okay. Uh, also, uh, I ran into uh, um, Justin Bell. He is a uh, former Focus missionary. He's roamed all over the world from Boston to, I think, Ireland for a while. And then now he's in Phoenix. He's uh, a listener as well. So, uh, Justin Bell. Well done. Great to see you. Breakfast yeah, on Broadway. I think I did tech or something with him. Really? Yeah. Is he from Denver? Well, maybe. I, I've got this guy in my head. Maybe. What's up, Justin? If it's you, then I'm very happy to shout you out. There you go. 
Um, and finally, I mentioned a few weeks ago that there was a couple that came to my parish. This guy had great hair. Um, and uh, Was it curly? It was curly. Yeah. Um, they, maybe hers was curly and his was straight, but I can't remember. Uh, she had nice hair too. Anyways, this couple came to my parish. I could tell they were kind of doing the awkward thing after mass, waiting for everybody to pass. And uh, That's either a sign of they're going to chew me out or they're like podcast listeners and they want to be discreet, which is cool. Um, so um, his name was Brian. Brian came uh, and uh, he's originally from Montana and she's from Madison, Wisconsin. Um, and they are longtime friends. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, but um, I think they're dating, kind of trying to feel things out um, in the legit way. Um, and uh, they wanted to come and say hello. And they were super faithful Catholics and listeners. So um, to Catherine and Brian, uh, Catherine's the one from uh, Madison. Brian's the one from Montana. I think they should just meet in the middle. You know, one from Montana, one from Wisconsin, yeah, meet in Colorado, like get fit. married, you start a family, you know, live the dream. At St. Joan of Arc Parish. At St. Joan of Arc in Arvada. That's it. So, yeah, thanks for coming out, guys. All right. I remember their names. I couldn't remember their names before. I, like, gave this vague shout-out to two people that, like, talked to me, but then I remembered. So, thank you. Thank you. Catholic stuff podcast at Gmail. We we're really good at bantering, but not good about finishing. Yeah, I don't ever know how to. I always forget how to do the thing at the end. Check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Catholic Podcast at Gmail. Catholic stuff podcast at Gmail dot com. Like us on Facebook. Um, check out your local ways to serve the poor. And uh, if you're in Denver, go to uh, lunch in the park. Oh yeah. Shout out Christ in the City. Christ in the City. Laters. Laters.